It was like a huge deal on Twitter and like <laughs> Facebook. I can't believe you missed it. People running round, looking bones into the ground. Is everyone just trying to be first? If you see me falling down from the buildings in the clouds, would you catch me for this bubble burst? I'm an American man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan, a.k.a. The Raj Nation. I am your show's host, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Martin McGovern, a.k.a. Marty McFly. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the only show where you get to eavesdrop on conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, and musicians about the stories, the journeys, the struggles, but most importantly, the questions. The questions that help us all better understand who we are, what we're doing, and how we can do it better. In this episode, we sit down with Brady Hahn. Brady is the founder of Gain Insight. She's a speaker, a content curator, a growth strategist. She's a yoga teacher. She's even a Reiki master. So she knows a thing or two about the topic we're going to dive into in this conversation, which is staying in the moment, specifically asking the question, how do you stay in the moment? Now, before we dive into this episode, I want to give you a quick invitation and reminder, if you're not a member already, head to www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com, that's our new website, enter your email address there, and you will never miss another episode of this show, as well as the other cool announcements we share only with our community. The best part? Signing up is absolutely free, that means zero charge to you, so head to www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com and sign up now. All right, enough of this introduction. Let's cut straight to the meat with a proverbial butcher knife. Here now is our conversation with Brady Hahn asking the question, how do you stay in the moment? Let's listen in. Uh, Living in the present moment speaks to me because I experienced really horrible burnout um, at the age of like 28 and it's too young to (laughs) probably be living in a in a space where you're not healthy, you're not happy, and you're not excited. And for me, living in the present moment and and finding that space within myself became um, a whole new opening into discovering who I am, what I want to do, and how I can serve better in the world. So talk us through that, that burnout and then what came of that and some of the self-discovery stuff. Yeah, so... Um, obviously working in a lot of live events, uh, live events for anyone who's ever produced one, I think we all know that it causes like severe brain damage. Um, because it's one of those things. <laughs> how events happen, it seems like it's like a snowball, right? No matter how well you plan, no matter how many things you think you have prepared in advance, it's like it all happens. It's a miracle that it all happens. And like, you know, comes together at the very last second. Um, So working in that space, I think I took on so much stress that was not only stress that was my own because I was responsible for certain aspects of, you know, a project, but I also just took on everybody else's stress. And I think what I realized is like I had one year where I passed three kidney stones and tore all the ligaments in my ankle stepping off the sidewalk. And it was like, 
the universe was saying like, can you hear me? And I was like, yes, I hear you, but I'm not listening. And like over and over and over again. Um, And finally, I just ended up like wearing out my system to the point where it was like, I couldn't get out of bed. I had no energy and really felt like, really just felt like I hit a wall going a hundred miles an hour and um, had nothing left to give. And at that point, when you work for yourself and you realize that you don't have like, you know, health leave or anything like that to support you, um, it became a very scary kind of abyss to be facing when I had to be solely responsible for myself and for my clients and the work I was doing. Um, and it was not a fun, a fun place to be by any means, you know, it was, it was awful. It was like an all time low for sure. So then, well, yeah, and I laugh, but that, that sucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so from that, what were the things then that you did differently moving forward that kind of uh, you, you mentioned like it, it led to some self-discovery. So, so what were those things that, that then came out of that? Yeah. I mean, at that point I had been studying meditation for like over almost 20 years at, and doing yoga for almost 15. And it was so funny because I was like, wow, I have more tools than many people do <laughs> like to actually to actually like support myself and come through this and why am I not using them? And that was like one kind of step into realizing that it was in my hands. Um, and it was kind of a combination of saying like, I have to take responsibility in a different way. Um, and also reaching out for help became hugely valuable. And that was not something that I was used to having to do. I'm very self-sufficient and like fiercely so. Um, and having to literally, you know, ask for help was I didn't even have the words to do it. Like I really didn't know how. And so um, that became a whole new, a whole new lesson and a whole new, I think, way of moving and being in the world. And so for me, it like really came down to one, like being vulnerable and being willing to be vulnerable, even if the vulnerability was like going to, um, you know, my doctors and saying like, I'm not sure what's wrong, but I need help and I need a better way of getting out of it. Um, And or if it was like, you know, even like going to a massage therapist and like just receiving self-care in that way um, was a huge step. And then the other piece of that was also seeing where I wasn't taking responsibility for like my own actions and my own way of thinking. You know, I think it's so easy to look to other people for answers and it feels really good, right? When somebody else has this like magic key that's like, yes, you should do that. Or have you tried this? Like do that. You know, it's like, it's so nice when someone else, um, kind of takes the load off your back and shows you what direction to go. But I also realized that like that was part of the problem is that like I always had the answers. I just wasn't willing to give myself permission to pursue that. And my kind of big aha moment was that I realized I perceived so many things in my life and in the world as stressful. And that was actually a choice of mindset and not just um, and not just how the world is. Right. Like Mm. 
I was just having this conversation with someone before we got on the call where she, it's a woman who is like a super achiever. She's launched a huge worldwide business. She is an advocate for women and girls. She is an activist and sits on many, many boards. And she was joking how she gets 36 hours into a 24 hour day. And I asked her like how she thinks she does it. And she's like, well, I make room for it. Like, that's just my mindset. And, you know, that to me is like, I think so true. It's like what you choose to make space for is what your life ends up forming into. Yeah. And I think it's it's interesting how you uh, talk, talk about events as well, because we put on events in the past. And um, I, one of the things that I noticed about events is you try to control everything <laughs> going into it. Right. Um, and, and there's that weird balance between like, or that, that, um, push and pull where you're trying to control everything, but you can't, you know, you can't. And so you end up being reactionary when you're there. It's like, mm-hmm. by the time you actually get to the event, you put in all this time in an attempt to control it. But really what ends up happening is you're just like, oh no, this thing, this thing, this thing, and you're just bouncing like a pinball. And, yeah. and, it, and I feel like that's interesting how you're, you're talking about in all these other aspects of our life, we try so hard to control everything, our job, our hobbies, our, you know, just everything in our life, we try to, we try to, yeah, push so much control. But at the end of the day, um, there's a lot more reaction that I think happens than we really know. And and when it comes to living in the moment, um, it is that, that trying to find that balance between having control over what you're doing each day and also being okay with the lack of control that really truly exists in the world. I think that's so true. It's so true. And like the more you try to choke hold your life, you know, it's like the worse it gets almost. <laughs> like this control, control yeah. isn't, it's not an active thing. It's actually, it's like something that compresses all of the air out of the room almost. Um, you know, like if you think of putting a choke hold on something, that's not like a positive thing. Um <laughs> But and it's also interesting what you said about events. Like, talk about like what like the yoga of being in the present moment. Like, you know, there's nothing worse than when you're producing an event and like someone's mic goes out on stage in the middle of their talk, and you just have that moment where you're like, you know, expletive, expletive, expletive in your brain. Like, how do I fix this? But it's like events really are about being in the present moment because everything that you think you've prepared for can shift instantaneously for no apparent reason and you're like oh my god and how you choose to react in that moment is so much of a practice though of being present and being in the moment and I actually found that like even people who I worked with who they're like maybe didn't have this like problem solving skills like they're really good workers they're really smart people but they didn't maybe have problem solving skills like in the space of a meeting could suddenly excel so well in event environment where they came up with such creative solutions in the moment because it was like they were reacting from such a different space like their brain didn't have enough time to catch up with the action of their body almost you Mm -hmm. know so there there is something really beautiful about the gift of having an experience of being in live events I think that like there is it's like ninja training almost um, you know, like where you don't realize all the things that you do in that moment to make that to be able to hold space for other people. It's a pretty powerful kind of cool thing in a lot of ways, I think. So you just made me think of that, like in what you were saying. But well, yeah, and, it, and what that triggers for me is 
just thinking about, you know, when things don't go as planned or when things go awry, you know, in the moment, there are different ways you can react to it. You know, some people might flip out. Some people might be calm and collected. Some people might have a solution right away. And I think that reaction, while it may be instantaneous, it's also a trained behavior in a sense, because if the things you've learned up to that point, you know, around that field, you know, whether it's producing a live event, whether it's, you know, working an office job where the client gets mad, whether it's singing on stage, you know, any, any number of things, whether it's launching a rocket, let's say, because um, mm-hmm. SpaceX just landed another rocket um, <laughs> this weekend. And with any of those things, if something goes wrong, that, that immediate reaction, it is, a, I, I say it's a trained behavior because the things you've been learning around that field to that point, if you've taken the time to actually learn them as opposed to memorize things, then you have a foundation of knowledge in which to work from and you understand, you know, like in the rocket launch, you understand the physics of things. And if you know the physics of Mm -hmm. things, then you know, like mathematically or scientifically, okay, what needs to happen now or what is the next possibility, et cetera. Um, Mm -hmm. If you, you know, if you just memorize like one song or if you just memorize the fact that you're singing the song and not how the stage works with you and any of that stuff, if the mic cuts out, you won't know how to react or, right. you know, you might react adversely, but if you've taken it's a very Mariah time, Carey kind of a situation, what did Aww. she do? <laughs> her new, her new year's mic thing. Oh, debacle. I didn't know that. Happened. You, you were in, you were in India. I think when that happened, oh, <laughs> wait, yeah. so, no. bring me up to speed. What happened? <clears throat> I believe her headset or something didn't work and she just basically stood on stage just staring at the crowd oh, while nice. the song played. <laughs> I think that also goes to show, though, that no matter how much experience you have, um, mm. sometimes like what happens in the present moment isn't you, you don't. It's like even if you have so many skills, like she's a I would c- consider her a very high level performer, like considering the mm-hmm. stage that Definitely. she's been on, the the reach that she has. And yet she had a very human moment, you know, on stage. And it's like, and it's also accepting that sometimes the present moment doesn't shape the way you think it will. Um, and it's not always going to be this like blissful, amazing experience, you know, but it's like, <laughs> I think it's like how you choose to react from that moment going forward becomes like where, you know, your practice begins almost, you know, and it's like, cause I, I'm referring to more kind of like that broader sense of like what I believe yoga is, which is off the mat is where 90% of the work is, you know, being on the mat is just like a tiny microcosm of how big the space is that we really have to work in. Um, but yeah, I also something that came to mind, like, when it comes to like reacting in the present moment, it's like, I feel like the film, the matrix really showcases like what it means to create space in the, you know, in the moment. Like it's like when Neo has that bullet coming towards him and he like does that amazing backbend and like (laughs) things get really cool and slowed down. It's like those moments when you can see like everything that's happening in front of you as though you're watching it on TV 
it's like really profound when you do find those little moments of space where you're like, wow, I have so much potential here to determine my reaction and, um, you know, what I'm going to do in this moment and in this space. And then other moments feel totally compressed and like they go by so quickly and you almost have, you know, no time to choose. It's, it's really funny how different they can, uh, one moment can be from the next. Well, and that leads me to, as you say that, what that makes me think of is how averse we've become to actually allowing things to slow down and, I mean, not not reality slow down, but like almost in our minds, Mm -hmm. let them slow down and just experience them because everything we do now is captured and documented and put online. And, you know, it's like dinner with friends didn't happen unless we posted it on Instagram. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. FOLO, Fear of Living Offline. <laughs> that, that's the new, that's the new uh, acronym? Is that the new one? Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. But I think that's true. Like, I had a friend the other day who was like, oh, I didn't know you hang out with so-and-so. And I'm like, well, sorry, I don't post it on Facebook and Instagram every time we hang out. You know? <laughs> yeah. It is true. I think there is something about, um, you know, wanting to be seen. And wanting to connect with people. And I mean that from a really genuine space, actually, where I, you know, it's even funny how, like, do you know your neighbors? You know, like, have you ever, like, sat down and had a dinner with the person that shares a wall with you? Like, most people say no. And, And not to say that I'm any better at it, but it is, like, I do think we live in a different kind of era where we don't have neighborhoods anymore. And we don't play in the same way that we used to as a Mm -hmm. culture and and so much of our dependency for connection now is through a device and a screen well it's funny because we we now live in this era where everyone talks and thinks about being part of these different communities which are online but then the physical community dissipates as a result yeah Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's like the positive side of it is like, look, I'm sitting in Los Angeles and you guys are in Chicago and we're having an amazing conversation and that wouldn't be happening if it wasn't for technology, you know, and us connecting because of me listening to your podcast, like wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for that. But it's also like, I think, you know, I can passively listen to your podcast and feel a part of your community, but there's mm-hmm. a big difference between that and like reaching out and saying like, I love what you're doing. Like, let's actually connect, you know, (laughs) well, not face to face in this sense, but like, you know, let's connect and like actually get on the phone and have a conversation, even if we can't meet. But the funny thing is our brains treat it the same. Like our brain, they've done studies that show that people actually, um, the, the same brain reaction happens when you meet in person or when you connect with people online, it actually like almost pulls the heartstrings in the same way in terms of like our physiological feeling of connection, which is really cool and kind of fascinating. That's interesting. Especially, especially for introverts. You're like, wow, how amazing. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> but I do think there's nothing takes the place of breathing the same air and being in the same room as a group of people. Well, and that's where, and this is where I, I kind of want to discuss, like, where is the line drawn? And at what point is it overload of putting things online versus, you know, doing it for other reasons? Um, you know, because like on the one hand, like I have a friend who like 
Anywhere she goes, she checks in. Not for the reason that she wants to tell people about it, but she's like, if anything happens to me that night, then there's documented proof of where I was. <laughs> like she's like, if I get like looted, you know, if I get like a paranoid lifestyle. Like yeah, it's not like a she's not like neurotic about it, but she's just like, you know, like that's why I do it because if something were yeah. to happen, at least like people can say, oh, she was there. Like, let's go look at that place. Um, uh-huh. And then there's the other, there's the opposite end of the spectrum, which is. I need to let everyone know what I'm doing because it's like, like what's that expression? Like Facebook or it didn't happen or something like mm-hmm. that or Instagram or it didn't happen. And I, I know like I personally get frustrated. Like, you know, when I go out to eat with people and like the food comes and three minutes are spent taking photos of the food instead of just eating it <laughs> and enjoying it for what it is. And I, I'm on like the middle end of it because sometimes I'll like take photos of everything and post a bunch of shit. And then there's other times where I'm like totally removed. Like I, I taught a yoga class recently that was uh, it was called Hamel Flow, where it was a 90 minute class set to the Hamilton soundtrack, which was like and it was awesome. And I did a ton of promotion for it. and It was a sold out class, right. which was cool. But then after the class ended, I was like, oh, crap, I didn't take any photos of the class because I yeah. wanted to like, you know, be able to show it online afterwards. Like, hey, it was a big success. But then someone was like, well, you probably didn't take any photos because you were so into the moment. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It actually didn't cross my mind at any point to take a photo of of what was going on. <laughs> and this is that line that I, I don't know, like, wh- like, where do we draw the line? Or, or like, at what point do you, at what side do you stand on? Because mm-hmm. there are instances where it makes sense, but then there are times where it's like, why can't we just live and experience the thing that's there. Like a good example I like is uh, like Martin and I have like, we, we went to go actually see the Hamilton play and just with any theater production, they have that like no cell phone rule. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, every now and then you'll get people who like slip a photo online, but, or, you know, like a cell phone video online, but it's crappy cause it's not the actual thing and it doesn't gain much traction. But it's great to actually like be in an environment where for that full three hours, you're locked into what's happening there. Because, mm-hmm. sorry, particularly with live theater, you can't replicate that feeling and you can't replicate that experience through a screen. Totally. Well, and I did live theater growing up. Um, and I think one of the things I found so magical about it was that you know, even if you were doing the same play for like two weekends in a row, or because in high school, you know, it only runs for so many days or whatever. It was amazing how every audience was completely different in the way they responded to the material. And even as a, as a group, it's so interesting how, um, you know, every, every time we did the show had like different nuances where, you know, and that's like why improv is so fascinating and completely terrifying to me um, because it's like, you you know, it is about being in the present moment and figuring out how to react. And, and I think it's such a, it's such a beautiful metaphor because one, I think, I think there's something about being in the audience of a play um, that's such a relief that you're, you know, you don't have to be on, so to speak, like you get to sit in a theater and have a communal experience and also a very personal one at the same time. Like that's what I love about going to the movies too. Um, I'm old fashioned that way. I, I will pay $25 to go see a movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, cause but I, now you get a recliner with feeling. it. Yeah. Which is so nice. <laughs> Cause I love that communal feeling though. I, you know, watching a film by myself at home isn't the same. Right. And 
Um, and I think especially with the play, what's so fascinating is you can see a play three or four times and it's going to feel slightly different every time. And that's like, it's so special. You know, it's like, I think there is something that won't ever go away because as human beings, there's something deep within inside of us that craves those kinds of experiences. Um, but I do think, yeah, it is worth asking, like, you know, are we really, well, I think there are, like, I have a lot of friends who take pictures of everything and post everything. And I'm like, are you really enjoying it? <laughs> you know, know, like, like know. really here? <laughs> and, and I think sometimes they aren't, you know, like, I love the film, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. It's like super cheesy, but really great. And there's this moment where um, Sean Penn, you know, has been trying to capture this elusive snow leopard and he plays a famous photographer in the film and there's this moment where the snow leopard comes out and the Walter Mitty character is like aren't you going to take a photo and he's like this is so special like why would I ruin it with like you know making it something that something other than just this beautiful moment mm-hmm. and and to me that quote is so important to like ponder and consider of like sometimes interrupting it with a photo like takes you completely out of the moment. But I love photography personally. And I love the act of taking pictures because I feel like though for me, it is about connecting deeper and it's about making contact with someone. Like when I travel, I don't take photographs of people unless they've given me their permission. Um, unless of course I'm like taking a picture of a crowd, but like, you know, I don't just walk by someone and like randomly, you know, take their photo. It's like, to me, it's about the intimacy of asking permission. Um, that's really important in capturing that person and who they are and also sharing a moment with them and then showing them their photo and like you know getting that laughter like you know most time you take someone's photo and then they laugh when they see themselves um and there's something really beautiful about that experience to me and that is about like creating a moment you know with someone and maybe that's i don't know if that's right or wrong um but sometimes there is something about capturing it that feels really beautiful and not so you know like icky or or disconnected i guess yeah, and I think with all the things that we're talking about here, I wanna I wanna go back to the idea you brought up about stress and and understanding your stress levels and how you cope with it, because I think um, in in especially in the work that we all do, um, understanding how online communities work and understanding how to use different social networks and using them for our businesses and different things like that, it's all built in, and that's something that's becoming very widespread in both business and personal life. And I think what's really interesting is all these questions that we're asking here, um, regardless of whether we do post or don't post or do pull our phone out or don't pull our phone out, there is a level of stress that is constantly there with our brains trying to decide what to be doing at each moment. So if you do go to a a movie now um, or you go to dinner and and you don't want to take your phone out the whole time, then it sits in your pocket and there's this like little thing in the back of your head going, you haven't checked your phone in an hour. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you've missed anything, right? And it creates that level of stress. Or like if you see that that moment and it passes, um, like Raj, you, you went through your whole class and then it ended, you didn't just end it and then go on with your day. It ended and you went, oh no, I didn't take any pictures of it, right? And so this is what I find very interesting because even when you are in the moment, um, it's not like, you know, you know, 30 years ago, you were in the moment and then you continued on with your day. Even if you were in the moment 
at the end of that moment, you have like a minor, like even just a three second panic attack of, oh no, should I have done something different? And that I think is the bigger issue, regardless of whether or not you do or don't take the photo. It's it's the second guessing and the questioning and the worry that exists mm-hmm. um, around all of these actions. And that, I think that's such a good point. And that is, you know, like no one will admit it, but that that's addiction. <laughs> like at its very yeah. core, like that's what we all struggle with is it's, and we have to admit is that we have an addiction to these things. Right? Like, like we may have gone to a, to see live theater and there's a no phone rule, but what does everyone do during intermission? Oh, thank God. Now I can check all my text messages and <laughs> Facebook and emails. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not go to intermission, yeah. just go to the bathroom, get a drink and go back to your seat or talk with people. It's, it's go into the lobby and start looking at your phone. It's, it's like, okay, I can do this because I know there's a, there's a respite coming in an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, like, I'm thinking so many things at this moment because that, like, I think it's so easy to deal with, like, big things that cause stress. You know, like, I, I do this talk on reframing stress and, like, I give examples. Like, when someone cuts you off in traffic, that's, like, a big thing that you can identify that's stressful. You know, it's, like, something that you can encapsulate in a little box and be, like, oh, this person had this action that caused me to feel stressed. You know, like, you can have a boss that, like, every time they come into your office, like, stresses you out. And I feel like that's a totally different kind of thing and so much easier to recognize than, like, the subtle stress that you're speaking about which is that like constant sort of chatter in the back of your head that's like you know that constant voice that's there now and and that addiction I think is a perfect word for it because you know it is it is something that it's like I think much much harder to not only realize it's happening but to then like figure out how to shut it off you know like Mm -hmm. that's like because it is I think it's there will be AA for devices soon. Um, and that's why you see things like, you know, Camp Grounded and other, um, I think, resources popping up that are about completely disconnecting to actually reconnect because people are struggling with it. Yeah. You know, like, it's a big thing. Have you seen, you might be interested in this particular, uh, I mean, you work in leadership, so I'm sure you're familiar with Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I saw this interview he did recently, or I don't know if it was recently, but I saw it recently, and it was it was about like just millennials in the workplace, more or less. And he was basically saying like, "Here's how we need to like reconnect with one another." He's like, "You know what happens right now in a meeting?" He's like, "Let's say the meeting starts in three minutes and people are gathered in the conference room." what everyone's doing in those three minutes is looking at their phone. What we need to start doing is putting the phone away and looking at the person sitting across the table from us and say, Hey, I heard your mother was in the hospital. How is she doing? Is she getting better? He's like, that's how we forge these real connections. It's in those, it's in those small moments in those few minutes you have in between things that you start to make real connections with people. And Mm-hmm. and break down those barriers it's not i mean obviously you want to be engaged when there's something major going on but when there's one focal point of attention say like you know the ceo of the company is speaking that's a di- that's something that you kind of like have to be engaged with it's it's the moments when you have a choice 
those are the mm-hmm. moments when we need to opt for engaging someone else as opposed to um, um, as opposed to just putting our our screens in front of our faces and I, I think I don't know if Martin if this is something that you had posted or not but what I thought was funny is in that interview he's like he's like you know when my friends and I go out to dinner we don't even take our phones with us he's like just one person will take the phone for an mm-hmm. Uber and then he goes he's like he's like one person will take their phone to hail an Uber <laughs> and to take a photo of our food of course <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, like, he's like he's like he's like you know because he's like I'm not insane I'm an idealist but I'm not insane <laughs> I'm like, I can't even imagine trying to get my group of friends to like trust one person with a phone <laughs> for all night. Like, and I have amazing friends, don't get me wrong, but I just feel like everybody's got this anxiety. They just don't take as good as pictures, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. But I do think like the Simon Sinek example is so great because I actually think we have to reteach people how to connect. Like, um, I do a lot of group facilitation for like board meetings and other things like that. And, um, I always do what, I guess what we would call them would be icebreakers, even though I like hate that word for it. But, um, you know, I just say like, we're going to do a quick exercise and like, I call it high and low, um, where I like kicking off a meeting where everybody shares what their high has been for the last month and what their low has been. And I remember one time doing this exercise in a, in a boardroom and everybody went and I was like, my high was, you know, like actually booking like this facilitation and getting to work with all of you. And I know that sounds super cheesy, but it was really exciting because I've been a big supporter of the organization, like yada, yada, yada. And I was like, my low had was something personal, you know, that I shared. And it was funny because these, <laughs> these two people who were sitting next to one another, one guy goes, well, my high was like watching my daughter go to like her graduation from kindergarten to first grade. It was like super cheesy, but like as a parent, it just felt really meaningful. And then the guy next to him goes, that's so funny. That's what I was going to say my high was. And he was like, where does your kid go to school? And they realized their kids went to the same school. Huh. <laughs> and I was like, I'd like to pause for a moment and just ask, like, how long have the two of you been on this board together? And they had been serving on the board for like more than three years together and didn't know that their children were at the same school wow and I was like let's just let that settle in for a moment (laughs) you know like (laughs) as a group and and I think you know it's in part because human beings have a tendency to compartmentalize who they are in different places I think that that's definitely starting to shift when you look at like the way workplace culture is changing for instance I think we're getting more permission to be ourselves when we're at work when we're volunteering you know when we're home with our family we get to be more of our whole selves um but I think that's like, it's still in transition, you know, like not every company allows you to show up in, in that holistic way, but more companies are asking for that, you know, like where they're like, we want you to be a whole person and to love your family and to be a volunteer and to do these. <laughs> the companies have all said, F your family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but there are company cultures where they like make you wear all black or, you know, like navy blue and you have to like, you know, you can't have pictures of your family on your desks. Like there are company cultures that are still like that, mm-hmm. you know, and people I think are so afraid of, 
being who they are and being vulnerable in that way when they're in a setting that's like, you know, this was a board meeting, you know, that these two men had this connection. And but the funny thing was, is they got more results out of that board meeting than they had had in any of the meetings prior that year and solved some of the biggest problems that they had been trying to overcome. And like, I don't I think it's because they had been doing a lot of work to try and get there. I don't want to say it's because I did this amazing icebreaker or anything, (laughs) but I, you know, like I do think like it's also being more human in the way that we choose to use our time is really important, but we have to teach people that and remind them, you know, like Simon Sinek saying that is like, it's a teachable moment to me. Mm -hmm. And he uses his content in a way to not only give people an amazing experience of, um, you know, like of something really visually beautiful, something compelling, a great story. Um, He also uses that as a method to teach people something. And I think that's really cool. And I love content like that, that makes it something you can grasp and something that's attainable. But the sad thing is we do have to have that conversation and write it into our agendas for the meeting is like a really great way to do that. Like I've got a client right now and as an organization, they are taking on a health and wellness initiative to make sure that throughout their organization, they are, you know, becoming more healthy and well because they want to be strong leaders for lots of different kinds of organizations. And what I noticed is that none of their agendas had like a meditation written into the agenda, even though it was something that they offered randomly, you know, like they were doing it, but not every time. And I'm like, well, add it into the agenda, like maybe as a company, like write it into your agenda that says you're, you know, for the five minutes before the meeting, you want people to connect, you know, and that's like a small step of like reminding people so to this, check in and tune in. I really like that you shared that. That it reminds me of this story. Um, I so the ad agency I used to work at. You know, every Monday it was like the the team status meeting, like with the mm-hmm. the entire region. So not just like the team at my office, but across several offices. On a, on the a meeting conference. everyone hates sitting in. Yeah, on. yeah. exactly. Huh? Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> reason we the reason we quit those jobs yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and my boss who was in the same office as me like it was like our team was in one office and the other teams were in other offices and um during she decided to take the call like from her office the rest of us were in the conference room you know a couple doors down and during the meeting uh, she sends me an email like asking for something and I responded to the email like you know probably within like 45 seconds and then after the meeting ended she called our entire team into her office and she's like she's like I just want to let you guys know I sent each of you an email during the meeting and you all replied to the email within like three minutes of me sending the email there's a meeting going on that we need to be paying attention to so stop answering my emails during a meeting. And it was like, I was like, oh, shit. We all Why have- is she sending emails? Well, why, yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no, the point was to see, are people actually paying attention during the meeting? Like, they were all like nonsense it requests. Text. It was Yeah, it wasn't oh, even like anything oh. that was worth asking about. It was just like a nonsense. Like, like, hey, can you look up this thing for me? And I did. I know. It, it sounds like she needs to start paying and focusing more attention, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 But no, it was, it. but it was like, it was, was a good test. We were like, oh, shit. Yeah. We probably like because really in those meetings, there's no even there's no need to even like have the computer on our lap when they're going on, you know? Yeah. 
but that's uh-huh. that's what we kind of were conditioned or just kind of I think the pattern or trap you fall into is it's like if you're doing something you're automatically also doing something else right because well, if they're not directly think- talking to you then you don't have to be wholly paying attention Right. And I do think that that's like a whole new kind of human behavior, the multitasking um, that's now available is actually like a new thing when you think about it. You know, that wasn't something that was offered 20 years ago because we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have, or I guess more than 20 years ago now, but like you didn't have cell phones, the internet in your hand all the time. And we spend so much time, I think, doing many things at once that how do you then find space to just like, like to just sit and think like people don't really sit and think that much anymore, you Mm -hmm. know, and just ponder things, (laughs) but it's actually really important to do that. It is. Well, this is where the meditation and yoga stuff comes in because, um, so there's a new documentary coming out by Werner Herzog. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but it's called Lo and Behold. And the trailer is hilarious. Like he's just a very interesting filmmaker. and, And the end of the trailer is, a bunch of monks actually in Chicago, like overlooking the lake and they're all on cell phones. <laughs> and <laughs> and he's like, even the monks, and he has this like thick German accent. He's like, even the monks don't know how to disconnect. And like, it's like <laughs> hilarious. And, uh, and so I find it very interesting because like we talk about all these things and we want to do all these things. And, you know, there's that stress in the background that's always there. And, um, you know, the goal is to be able to find that balance. The goal is to be able to, um, take the time to think, but is it with, with every day, there's like some new thing that we have to learn and keep up with. And, you know, every, every single internet celebrity that we follow is like, you should be posting 700 times a day kind of thing. Um, where, where is that, um, balance? Like, is there a balance or is there a way to actually find Zen in the mess or in, in the craziness? Well, now there's an app for that. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> Balance.me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but, I mean, how funny that we actually have to create applications on our cell phones, you know, in order to, like, be able to dis- like to try and find those peaceful moments. I think, <laughs> yeah, and uh, to answer your question, Martin, I think part of it starts with just having a baseline acknowledgement of what's happening. I think just doing that alone helps you realize the things you are doing. And you may not necessarily change a behavior, but I think if you're aware of it, you start to you start to ask yourself, okay, well, well, why am I doing this? How often, et cetera? And then maybe over time something changes or it doesn't, but at least you are cognitive of the fact that it's happening. So you. So what you're saying is that the first step is admitting you have a problem. Yeah. No, it is, right? <laughs> like, like I'll give you an example. The other day... I was watching TV and I realized it's like, you know how rare it is? Even, even the act of watching TV, which is like a distraction. Right. And I thought to myself, I was like, I was like, it is so rare that I watch TV without my phone in my hand. And I don't know if you guys have that same experience, but do you, when you watch TV, are you generally also like looking at stuff on your phone? Well, I was actually just watching the flash and I was on my phone and I was like, I like that I only sort of like this show because I can actually be on my phone while it's playing. <laughs> um, because it's not good enough that I'll put my phone away so I can actually get two things done. <laughs> totally, totally. I like do a lot of like website editing while I'm watching TV because it's like passive. You know, it's I I do do that. I do it. Yeah. Totally. Well, I mean, there's and, different it's, applications and I am aware right? of it. 
Mm-hmm. But I'm different aware applications. Of it. Like you can totally. you can put the TV on as like a background distraction because you're trying to do a main thing. In that case, whatever thing is device thing, like that's what you're trying to do. The TV is an accessory. There are mm-hmm. other times where it's like it's a show I actually like, but I'm still like, all right, let me see let me see what what tweets are going on about it. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was doing that the other night, and I well, partly because I was watching the film Denial, which I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but it's really great. Um, and it's this story about this woman who is a World War II historian, and um, she gets sued for libel in the British mm-hmm. courts and has to basically defend that the Holocaust happened. You're like, okay, mind-blowing. So I was, like, on my phone Googling some of the stuff that they were saying, like, to check the historical facts and that kind of stuff. But then, of course, it started as a useful thing to be able to have the movie going and answer questions that I had and then turned into being like, oh, I should check Instagram now, too. And, like, and then I ended up down the deep rabbit hole and i was like what am i doing (laughs) my boyfriend was like put down the phone (laughs) yeah well and i find that very interesting from a marketing perspective because we we design websites now to lead you to other things right so if you're going to create a a website that has you know articles on it or 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 videos or whatever you want to be able to suggest another video to watch right and so um, people come to a website for one thing, and the goal of the website is to keep you on that website as long as possible. So Wikipedia is the best example of this. But you're reading something, and then as soon as you're done reading it, it suggests something that's similar but different to keep you going. And so you only came there for one bit of information, and then three hours later, you're still learning things. And and I find that to be very interesting because everything that we use is built to lead us down these paths, lead us down these rabbit holes. Um, it's not its not a surprise that these things are happening um, because that's actually how they were designed by, uh, you know, they're designed by game engineers. Um, the best example is how Tinder actually encourages you to find new people to match with instead of getting deeper connections with the people you've already matched with. And it's okay. just in the very basic design of it. If you open up the phone, if you open up the app, it gives you new people instead of saying, here's who you already have. And that discourages deep connections with you know, people already in your circle and encourages you to reach outside of it. And I think a lot of the things that we're talking about here um, in this ever-connected world, you can literally meet anyone now. You, you could send an email. Well, you could tweet the pre- uh, president-elect. Um, but... <laughs> Um, and and he'll answer. It. And he'll answer. <laughs> it's amazing. And, exactly. And so, like, but all of this stuff just and and we were talking earlier about there's no neighborhoods anymore, right? You don't meet your next door neighbor. But I could meet a celebrity if I wanted to, and like, I think that that's really interesting from the the perspective of uh, the way that this social world is set up, the way that the connected world is set up. It discourages deep connections with who you already know, and encourages. Um, like more, uh, I guess, low-level connections with new people on an ongoing basis. So you could always be constantly meeting someone new every day. And since there's only, you know, so many hours in a day, that means you're not spending that time really getting to know the people in your close circle. It's Well, yeah, it's encouraging the FOMO or like the the way I like to think of it is the what else, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not what's there. It's, it's what else is happening or what else don't I have? Right. So it has to be a very, it has to be a really conscious decision to say, okay, I'm not going to go meet someone new today. I'm going to reconnect with my friend from middle school or something like that. Or, or I'm going to, 
you know, get dinner with someone that maybe my neighbor, as we mentioned earlier, or something like that. And I think that it's tough, especially when everything is leading you to do to to seek novelty, uh, to actually mm-hmm. sit with the current moment and the current life that you have. When you constantly have a new life around every corner, it's tough to be like today. I'm just going to be who I am and where I am. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that I find so interesting is that I've noticed uh, more and more people are like out all the time, you know, where friends are like, oh, I've got plans and I'm doing this and I'm doing that, which is amazing, Um, you know, in the seeking experience kind of like phase that we're in right now as a world but it's also like stepping back and being like well why you know like why am I reaching out you know like why do I always like so much of my world is meeting new people and I love that like I love the fact that I have a very um, large network of people and but part of my practice last year has totally been making an effort to make deeper connections and taking, you know, people to coffee and being more diligent about taking care of those relationships because they matter to me and identifying which ones matter, you know, is a huge practice. But I think as a culture, you know, like my boyfriend said something that was really funny. He was like, <laughs> we were, we were like in bed at nine o'clock on a Saturday and he's like, isn't it amazing being in a relationship? He's like, and because I can be in bed at nine and not feel guilty about it. And I was like, I don't know what you mean by that. And he was like, well, when I was single, I felt like I always had to be out. So I'd always like flip through my yes. phone, you know, to find <laughs> someone to go out with. And I was like, that's so funny. When I was single, I was like, finally, I don't have to go out anywhere. <laughs> Difference between being a man and a woman. <laughs> I know. And I was like, and I, I totally love being home alone and I was like, that's so weird because I do think the FOMO piece is interesting because people feel like if they're alone they're not doing when in actuality like historically when you look at you know deep philosophical writings and things like that being alone is actually a very powerful thing and um, you know like the great producers like da Vinci um, you know they took walks like you know like the great poets the great um, philosophers like they took walks alone in nature and that was like sacred time for them to be able to mull over ideas and to let their writing and their work sit and just be you know separate and to get away from it and it's interesting how in our culture now people feel like bad for people who eat dinner alone you know and I'm like I'm like I love eating dinner alone at a restaurant it's wonderful and and it's so funny how we judge people now for doing things on their own so differently and that you know this feeling that we do need to be with someone in order to like validate that we're alive or something (laughs) you know you know it's because of the girls like you who are when single stay in it makes guys like us go out even more because every time we go out, we're not finding any of the single girls. And <laughs> the single girls, I know. <laughs> Which, yeah, it's true. I mean, I think it is like the self-fulfilling prophecy for sure. And that's like one of the things I hated about Tinder is that it was like you have to treat it like this transactional thing you know like when because I was on Tinder very actively like 
this time last year. Um, and it was so funny because like the first guy I met on Tinder, I'm like, I'm just so glad you are who you said you were. And he's like, is this your first time? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, let me <laughs> out for you. And he was like, you know, you don't spend more than 15 minutes with someone. Don't order a drink until you're sure you want to stay. Like, and it's okay to say you're not interested. And I was like, oh my God, that sounds awful. And he was like, well, think about it. You're giving someone their time back to potentially meet somebody else. And if you already know no, you're not interested in continuing the conversation. Like, why would you waste your time? And I was like, I mean, that's so sad. <laughs> so sad, but also so true in a sense of like, why would I want to take an hour of someone's time if I'm not really listening or I'm not genuinely with them in that moment? You know, and I was like, I did find something in that that was very true of like, I noticed that, you know, we have this habit of staying you know, like of holding on to people um, because we don't want to be alone or something instead of saying like, well, what if I gave this person their time back? Cause I'm not really giving them my time and my energy in the fullest way possible. Like I'm not actually showing up if I'm just here because I feel bad. Like why would, I wouldn't want someone to stay with me you know, for an hour because they feel bad. That's awful. I am terrified know? of having to be the person to say, I don't like this. I'm, I need to leave now. But isn't that really being in the moment and being true? You know, like in some ways, it's like if we were more honest with our communication, the world would be really different. It doesn't mean you mm-hmm. have to be mean. It's actually the kinder way of moving in the world. And I was like, I had this whole like realization with this like person I met for 15 minutes, like over Tinder. And he was like, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. He's like, you're awesome. And you're really beautiful. And he's like, but I'm just looking for a fling. And he's like, so I don't want to waste your time. And I was like, okay. I mean, this is so weird. It was like my whole brain was like reforming its patterning you know, around this conversation I was having, but it did make me realize that I wasn't showing up in the moment when I wasn't being honest with the way I was communicating, even if it was so simple as someone being like, Hey, how are you? And I was like, Oh, I'm fine. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, is that the truest word I could use right now? And like actually taking pause and thinking about how I show up in the moment. You know, I learned that through Tinder. (laughs) (laughs) Life lessons from technology. Yeah. But it also like, I think is what prepared me for like having a deeper relationship with someone, you know, and I ended up meeting my boyfriend through a mutual friend. But I, and I think had I not gone through that realization through Tinder, I wouldn't have been available to like even pursue dating him. Like, you know, had I not had that experience. So it's funny how like technology can be super helpful in helping us build a deeper context for human relationships inadvertently by taking us out of them you know <laughs> like it's like kind of funny that's I, I, I like that kind of that that summation there <laughs> mm-hmm. well okay we need to wrap up uh before we do brady uh let our listeners know what you're working on and where they can find you Ooh, great question. So um, I, right now you can find me at gaininsight.co. So G-A-I-N-I-N-S-I-G-H-T dot C-O. And um, let's see, one of the things that I'm working on right now is that I've 
have a very large database of professional women who don't necessarily identify as professional speakers, but are looking to speak. And so I love meeting any woman who wants to find more opportunities to get on stage. Um, And the way I've created a way to do that is I have an online forum that you can fill out and we'll have a conversation over the phone so I can learn more about you. And then basically I share opportunities um, like open calls for speakers to um, I've had three women that just went through mentorship for um, doing a TEDx submission. So it's kind of like a range of opportunities. But I love meeting women who feel like they want to share their voice and are figuring out how to use it. And so do connect. Um, and also if you're an organization or individual looking to put on events like conferences, networking events, trainings, workshops, feel free to reach out too. um, love to share resources and also just learn about different things that are happening in the world and how I can help connect other people to them. Awesome. All right then. So to wrap up, we will go one by one, starting with Martin and closing with Brady. Martin, how do you stay in the moment? Uh, so I do not have an answer for this one, but I will say that it's one, it's one of the things that I'm working on the most in life, uh, especially when it comes to stress levels. Um, I think that what we were saying earlier about like the constant background stress, uh, one of the ways uh, that I've seen be helpful is to understand why I want to be doing all these different things. Um, so if I want to be on Instagram or I want to be on Snapchat or I want to be on whatever the new tech is, because I love new tech and I just want to be trying things out. Um, what are my goals? Because that helps relieve some of the stress of having to, to, to keep up, I guess would be the way to say it. So like I used to want to do Instagram in the moment. So like I need to take a picture right now and post it right now and have it done in the next 10 minutes. And that type of pressure got to be too much for me. Um, so now I, I post old photos. Um, or things that are relevant to what I'm doing right now, but not the actual picture of the moment. So I went to Daybreaker last week, and I didn't take any photos of Daybreaker, which is a 6 a.m. dance party, um, because I just wanted to be there having fun. Um, And then when I got home, I wanted to post about it, but I didn't have any pictures, so I just posted a random picture of me dancing um, and said, like, hey, this was the thing I did. So, like, that's not really balanced, but that's my version of balanced. (laughs) Um, And just finding out like, you know, the reason I post it is so that I can connect with people who are at the event. Um, Not so that I can like document every moment of my life. And so I'm just, you know, finding my own balances and and really focusing on why it is I'm doing these things instead of just reacting to the fact that they exist and I have to do them Um, because new technology is something that I have to learn. Um, And so that's my approach. Okay. Man, 70-something, maybe 80 episodes, and you finally hit a did-not-have-an-answer. Although that, that, that ended up being an answer, so. <laughs> uh, it's just my approach. Just my, approach. <laughs> my answer for how do you stay in the moment, um, I'll say two things. Number one, understand that every action begets another action. So As an equal opposite. Re- yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Everything that you do begets like something else or the next thing that you do. So like, for instance, you know, while I am pretty quote unquote active on Facebook, like you'll never see me post anything like before I go to bed, because that just means I know the first thing I'll want to do when I wake up is look at Facebook to see who commented and who liked that post. So (laughs) like under like that's like a mechanism I know to like not like not enable. 
So that's what I say. That's what I mean when I say one action begets the next action. The other thing I will say is, oh crap! Now I can't remember it. (laughs) It was good. (laughs) We'll have to take your word on it. You'll take yeah, (laughs) or you can take a moment and think about it, and I'll go. Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) Bosh doesn't like silence. (laughs) Just the dead air. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. So I would say I've I've come to two practices of staying in the present moment. One is um, being more honest about where I am in the moment, which kind of goes back to what we were just talking about of like actually being more mindful about the words that I choose and being more honest about like where I truly want to be in that moment. Like, you know, it's like if I'm in a conversation that's like pleasant or whatever, but I'm not actually there, like acknowledging, like I'm actually thinking about something else and like, you know, just being transparent with people is a one part of me showing up um, more in the moment. And the other thing I come back to too is um, when I notice my mind starting to wander or I'm starting to fidget with my phone, it's usually because I'm holding my breath or not breathing as much, which is a really funny kind of physiological thing to notice. Or especially when I'm under more stress, I notice I'll wake up in the morning holding my breath as well. And a really amazing body worker told me that that's actually um, like a fight or flight response in your body. And so what I notice is like when I am drifting in the moment with someone it's usually because I need to like actually take a breath. And so um, my practice is like taking in a large inhale (laughs) or, or closing my eyes and taking three deep breaths to kind of like reset and reboot. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's a really good point actually, because one of the things I would say, I just personally am very happy with what I've, I guess just accomplished or, or instituted in myself is because of just so much yoga over the last uh, couple of years and meditation, I always feel like in control of my breath and um, whether things are going really well or really poorly, I don't like, I always feel like, okay, at least I'm breathing. At least I like know I'm keeping like a good breathing pattern that helps me get through that yeah. you know, situation. So that's a really important point. The, the breathing aspect of it. I never feel that way. So let's end this podcast with three deep breaths. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I can't remember what I was going to say because I was in the moment listening to Brady's response. So the world will never know my second point. <laughs> I'm sure they'll find out someday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brady, thank you for joining us on our show. Thanks, guys. It was really fun. That wrapped up our conversation with Brady Hahn. Brady, thank you so much for joining us. And to think, this all came together because when you listened to our season five finale, you reached out and you were like, that was awesome. We have to get to know each other. And all of a sudden, only a couple months later, we're doing a podcast together. So thank you for reaching out in the first place. And thank you even more for having just an amazing conversation with us. Did you, the listener, enjoy this episode? If so, the best compliment you can give us is a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews help more people find the show and therefore more people discover their inner awesome. While you're leaving that rating and review, how about subscribing to the show if you are not a subscriber already on whatever platform it is you listen to, whether that is iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, or the various other podcasting platforms our show is available on. More subscriptions also help us out big time. 
For Brady's contact information, references, and resources discussed in this episode, you can find it all at the brand new www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. While you're on the site, check out our over 70 episode archive of, well, awesome episodes. One last announcement before we part ways today. Did you know that we now have a new Twitter account for this show? It is at DYI Awesome. So follow us there because we could really use some new subscribers because we just created the account. All right, that'll do it for this one. Thank you again to Brady Hahn for joining us. For Martin McGovern, I am Raj Nation. You have been listening to the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. We will see you next time. But in the meantime, take care and be awesome today.